0: Hello, thanks for checking out the KZMC podcast. My name is April King and I am the Associate Pastor at KZMC. This podcast is a recording of sermon teachings from our 9.30am Sunday morning worship gatherings. We release a new episode every Tuesday. If you're looking to check out our Sunday mornings, you can find our live stream over on our YouTube channel on Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. We would also love to have you join us in person You can find out all the details about our Sunday mornings on our website, kzmc.ca. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. Good morning. For you that don't know me, I'm Bruce Kewen. I'm the newest recruit of the Wednesday evening fight club. And so let's start in prayer. Gracious and loving God, Let your Holy Spirit fill this place and bring us into your presence. As we study your scriptures, let us glorify you and let us understand the purpose you have for our lives. Let these words speak to us. Let them fill our hearts and minds so that we can know your love. Inspire us to be your faithful messengers to our families, our community, and the world. Amen. Well, being fairly new, I checked out the church's website before I showed up at the door for a Bible study. And I must admit, the, I thought it a little strange that a Mennonite church would have not one but two fight clubs. And I thought, fight clubs in a church? You know, like, what's going on in this place? Well, it took a little bit before you know it dawned on me that the fight club was referring to Paul's message to Timothy. And that's Paul's message about fighting the good fight of the faith. So what's that all about? So what is Paul telling Timothy? Now, to fully understand today's scripture passage and to appreciate why these few verses in 1 Timothy stand out and to grasp why Paul sends his message to Timothy, I think we have to step back a bit into the earlier chapters of Paul's letter. We find the Ephesian church... In a bit of a mess. Actually, it's a little bit more than a little mess. It's a big mess. Paul tells us in 1 Timothy that the Ephesian church leaders have been doing all kinds of stuff that church leaders aren't supposed to do. Paul tells us that they're teaching false and unsound doctrine. What they're teaching doesn't fit with Jesus' life and what he taught. These church leaders are even teaching Old Testament law, plus they're telling endless, far-fetched, and made-up stories. Their sermons are bizarre and pointless. And Paul tells us that they're argumentative and full of themselves. And to top it off, they're using their positions in the church to pad their own pockets. So like I said, the Ephesian church is in a really big mess. And even though Paul's letter is addressed to Timothy, the content of it really speaks to the entire church at Ephesus. But just before Paul brings his letter to a close in chapter 6, there is a distinct change. Rather than addressing the entire church, Paul now speaks directly to Timothy. In verse 11, Paul makes a distinct change between the rest of the letter and today's scripture reading. Paul finishes his discussion about what's wrong in the Ephesian church and then opens his new train of thought. Paul tells Timothy what he should be doing and how he should be different from the rest of the community. Well, Paul starts this section of chapter 6 with, but you, and some translations say, but as for you, and almost sounds like Timothy's in trouble here. The, uh, but as for you, reminds me of what my mother would say to me when she was about to lecture me for something that I shouldn't have done. And but the but you is meant to get Timothy's attention. Paul now calls him man of God. If he didn't already, Paul now has Timothy's complete and undivided attention. For a man of God was a title only given to the great leaders of Israel people like Moses, David, and Elijah. So Paul calling Timothy man of God not only gets Paul's attention, but also shows Paul's great respect and fondness for Timothy. And this is Paul's way of acknowledging the sacred and spiritual role to which Timothy is being called. Paul is saying, don't be like those false teachers in the Ephesian church. Instead, go and be like Moses, David, and Elijah, go and be a great spiritual leader of your people. We can only imagine that Timothy might be a little overwhelmed at all of this. Paul's put Timothy in the spotlight, and the rest of the Ephesian church is probably shocked and upset. Paul's aired their dirty laundry, he's pointed out their false teachings and their sins, And if that's not enough, Paul's now calling this young guy, this wet-behind-the-ears young leader, man of God. In comparing Timothy to the Old Testament leaders, Timothy has a hard act to follow. He's been given a big job to do. He's been given a great responsibility. But what would Paul call us? Would Paul consider us men and women of God? Are we up to the challenge? And can we meet the high standards? Something for us to think and pray about. Paul then gives Timothy a series of commands. Not one, but a lengthy list. The first command to Timothy is to flee from all this. And based on what Paul wrote in Ephesians 6, we might expect Paul to say, stand firm, But no, Paul doesn't say that. Instead, he's telling Timothy to flee, to move quickly and decisively to avoid the danger of the false teachings and the sin in the church. He's to move quickly so he doesn't sink into the mess that the church is in. And Paul uses the present tense of the word to flee, so he's not referring to a once and done kind of thing. Timothy is to continually avoid the bad doctrine. He's to continually avoid the conceit, the pride, the sin, and the greed of the false teachers. Paul tells Timothy to flee from all this. He doesn't want Timothy to lose focus on what's important. Paul wants Timothy to keep a firm grip on his faith, to keep his focus on Christ. Like Timothy, what do we need to flee? What should we be running away from? Is it a new age spirituality? Is it our love of gossip, our pride, our envy, our quest for success and our own self-importance that replaces our faith in God? What should we be running away from? Not once or twice, but continuously. Paul then tells Timothy to pursue the right things. He tells Timothy to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. And the word pursue is important here. It means to do something with intense effort. It means to do something with a definite goal or purpose in mind. Paul's telling Timothy to be aggressive. He's to to passionately embrace those virtues that are reminiscent of the Spirit. And Paul tells Timothy to continually pursue a Christ-like character. It's not enough for Timothy to flee from the wrong things. It's not as if fleeing the sinful things and the good things will automatically fill the vacuum. Timothy must keep his focus on the right things. Paul wants Timothy to be different than the false teachers that he said so much about. For Paul in these verses, righteousness means being morally upright, It is doing what is right. It's doing what is biblical. It means living a life marked by obedience to God's commands. Now, godliness is a term that Paul uses a whole lot in his pastoral letters. It means to be godlike in who we are. It means to live like God. Like righteousness, godliness refers to how we live and how we treat those around us. In Paul's letters, faith and love often appear together. Faith means being consistent. It means keeping our promises and commitments. Faith means depending only, only on God's word as a guide for our lives. It means relying on God's character alone. It means a chosen and intentional life. It means sacrificing for others. Now endurance highlights the attitude that the Christian must have to finish his or her mission. It's one thing to start out strong, but a person who endures also finishes strong. Endurance means having the determination to keep on going, regardless of the cost. And gentleness refers to courtesy and humility. In 2 Timothy 2.25, Timothy is told to gently correct his opponents. And in Galatians 5.23, the believer is to gently help another with their burdens. Gentleness is being patient with difficult people. It's being humble and dependent upon the Spirit. Now, Paul has set the bar really high here, but if Timothy is going to live up to the commission given to him by God, he has to make sure he's pursuing a life that brings honor to God. It's not enough to avoid sin, Paul is telling Timothy he is to pursue, he's to continually build a godly character through God's Spirit. In our lives today, are we pursuing the right things? Are we striving for a life marked by obedience to Christ's example? Do our lives show righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness? Are we growing in the right direction? And do we have the endurance to keep on growing in Christ? Do we have the will to keep going in our spiritual journeys, regardless of the cost? Then in verse 12, Paul tells Timothy, fight the good fight of the faith. Now, we have to be careful how we interpret fight here. We've just heard Paul telling Timothy to pursue love and gentleness. So fighting sounds a bit out of place. But Paul isn't referring to a put up your dukes type of street fight. Instead, Paul's talking about persevering. He's talking about that point when we're exerting ourselves and our body tells us to stop. It's that point where we don't want to keep on going, where we feel that we can't go any further. But instead of quitting, instead of giving up, we push through it and keep on going. And when we push through it, we get our second wind. It's that second burst of energy that lets us keep on exerting for the long term. So Paul is saying, stick with it. Have endurance. Keep going. Be in the struggle for the long term. Even if it hurts, even if it leaves us exhausted, we are called to persevere. Now, fight the good fight of the faith. Now, it's important that we we know that in the faith, It's important. In the Bible, most of the time, faith refers to our relationship with Christ. But in this case, the faith refers to sound Christian doctrine. It points to biblical truth. It points to Christ's example and teachings. Paul already knows that Timothy has faith. Paul knows that Timothy has a strong relationship with Christ or he'd never show him to be his apostle. By telling Timothy to fight the good fight of the faith, Paul wants Timothy to teach the truth about the gospel. Clearly, Timothy's in for a struggle. Paul calls on him to embrace the hardship and difficulty that will come with teaching the good news. And are we persevering in the fight for the faith? Do we have the endurance and the perseverance to read and to study and to live the gospel on an ongoing basis? Do we have the stamina to keep on growing in and closer to Christ? Then Paul tells Timothy, Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now, this is the prize. This is the good stuff. Paul is telling Timothy to grab onto eternal life here and now. The present tense implies that this is something that Timothy should do now and not just in the future. To add even more weight to this, Paul reminds Timothy that living this way is a calling from God, and it's something that he testified to in the presence of many witnesses. Timothy's Timothy's life is marked by the calling of eternal life. Therefore, he should live this way. It's the same for us. We're to take hold of eternal life and make it our own. We can take possession of it here and now. Eternal life began the moment we first believed, and being reminded of our past and locked onto the future, we can focus on living out our faith in the present. Eternal life is not just about eternity. It's a quality of life that God desires us to live now. But we must seize it, We must take hold of it, but have we done it? In verse 13, Paul writes, In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession. Well, Timothy's known to be a bit timid. After all, he's young, doesn't have a whole of life experience, so he needs some encouragement. So to motivate Timothy, Paul uses the example of Christ's courage standing up before Pontius Pilate. Paul tells Timothy that he'll need to stand up for the truth, even though standing up for the truth may be costly. Paul's saying, since God is the one who can and will raise the dead, that knowledge and faith will free you. It frees Timothy to minister with courage, knowing that you can't die and you will live again. God will raise you up from the dead, so Timothy, don't be afraid. Instead, be determined to stand firm like Christ stood firm, no matter what the cost. Even if people threaten to kill you, God will either protect you or give you the courage to be a faithful witness unto death. Even as Christ faithfully witnessed to his calling, even through his suffering. Now imagine being in a situation like Timothy. He's been ordered by Paul to stand witness to a non-functional church, and if that's not bad enough, he'll most likely be abused doing it. And would we be intimidated, knowing the promise of eternal life, do we have the necessary courage and strength to be that witness? Now, in verse 14, Paul writes, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring out in his own time. Paul's now telling Timothy, Obey my command, follow the example of Christ, and do it without spot or blame. That means no compromising, no messing around, no slacking off, despite the dangers, the hardships, the threats, and the battles with those who have fallen away from Christ. Timothy must avoid saying or doing anything that could possibly hurt his ministry or detract from Christ. Paul saying, keep yourself pure about teaching God's word, and do this constantly until Christ returns. Most of the letter so far has been about the immediate challenges that Timothy is facing in the Ephesian church. But here in this verse, the message changes. When Paul says, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, he's telling Timothy he's in it for the long haul. He's to take a longer-term view as to what God is doing and what he is called to do. You know, Paul continually sets the standards pretty high. And are we able to do what Paul has commanded? Are we able to constantly follow the example of Christ? Can we do it without spot or blame for the long haul? Can we resist the influences of our culture that want to deny or reject Christ? And do we compromise our faith so that we can fit in and make our lives easier? Can we be constantly focused on Christ? And can we live as if Christ might appear at any time? Now in verse 15 and 16, Paul states, which God will bring out in his own time, God the blessed and the only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in an unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To him be honor and might forever. Amen. Well, about now, Timothy's overwhelmed and probably dreading the task being assigned to him. Paul now tries to comfort Timothy. He reminds him that God is sovereign, that God is in control, and that it's God who will decide when and where Christ will return. He tells of God's greatness, that only God is eternal, that God is holy, that God is a fire, a blazing light of holiness, Totally separate from sin. Paul gives his commands to Timothy in the sight of God and Christ, a God that knows and sees all, a God that gives everything that gives life to everything. Paul reminds Timothy that God doesn't make mistakes. God never says, "Oops, let's do that over again. While Paul is sending Timothy to a conflict-ridden church in Ephesus, he wants Timothy to understand, that God is ultimately in charge, and that God wants Timothy to remain there. Now that Paul has given Timothy his marching orders and has told him about the essentials for our Christian life, what does that mean for us today? Well, it's simple. We're to do the same. But these aren't easy things to do. But to live as faithful Christians, we're to be known as persons of God, we're to flee from sin and those things that want to diminish or destroy our faith. We're to pursue a righteous life filled with righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. We're to push and we're to, to persevere with the fight for the faith. We're to take hold of eternal life with everything we have. We're to follow in the example of Christ and have faith in the greatness of God. There we go, the seven-step plan for living a faithful and fruitful Christian life. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we admit that we're in a fight for the long term. We need your grace, strength, and the encouragement and help from other people of God to stay in the match and finish it to completion. We didn't realize how much would be asked of us, but we are determined and we are committed to keep up the good fight of the faith until we can say the race is finished and your will be done. Holy Spirit, we ask you to fill us with your power, your strength, and resolve, so we will stay in the fight till our assignment is fulfilled. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.